0: Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet.
1: I mean, throughout history, polar bears have been one of the most iconic animals on the planet. Right. And even worldwide, people they would never see one.
0: What can they teach us?
1: Their smaller ears and tail follow the physiological rule called the Allen's rule.
0: Mm, and cool.
1: what that does is just predicts animals that live farther north have smaller appendages mm. in order to conserve.
0: Many species are in crisis and need your help. So as these bears come to land earlier, they're coming to land when a lot of these birds are nesting. Oh. So they're preying on the birds. They're killing the birds in the nests. They're eating the, the eggs and the babies. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Angie.
0: Burr, Angie, that time of year.
1: I know, it's cold out yeah. here in Florida. I have two
0: sweatshirts on. I know, and it's in the 50s and we're a bunch of wusses, right? We
1: are. My northern <laughs> friends would not be pleased with me complaining about 50 degree weather.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but it was like five days ago. It was in the like high 80s or mid 80s in Florida. So,
1: But it is. It's a perfect time of year to talk about our... Sp- Species of the week, which yeah. is a polar bear. Polar
0: bears. Yes. That a lot of people love polar bears. And I guarantee a lot of people have, know a lot about polar bears. I can guarantee to our listeners, you want to stay tuned because you will learn many, many new things about polar bears that you did not know before. I promise you that you will learn some new facts that you'll be like, wow, that's awesome.
1: Yes. I, I mean, it, just researching these guys this week, I had a lot of fun of just Shouting out facts to my husband. Did you know that their hair is actually not
0: white? Yeah, I don't believe you, but we'll we'll hear the facts when you get there. We'll Mm. hear we'll we'll hear that, or like how they survive in the Arctic.
1: Oh, their adaptations are incredible. Yeah, and and in fact, they would probably not mind this fifty degree weather at all. They might even be a little bit warm.
0: Right, right. And I think yeah, they they would be feeling great out. Like they love the cold. Yeah, they do. They they thrive in it. They
1: sleep in it. They yeah. need it. It's what they adapted for. And, and really some really cool physiology going on with these guys.
0: Very, very true. And I, when we get to nutrition, I can't wait because there's some things I was just like, wow. I like really did not know a lot of this stuff. So it's definitely a, a, a big thing. And I know a lot of people, especially in the news in the last few years, climate change has been a big thing on polar bears. We'll, we'll touch upon some of that. Like what's the science behind it? But that's not the focus of the, the podcast. The, the The podcast is really – this animal and this physiology because it is, it is awesome.
1: Right. And I mean, throughout history, polar bears have been one of the most iconic animals on the planet. Right. And even worldwide people that would never see one because they live in the South or whatnot, Mm -hmm. they're still drawn to these charismatic ice hunters. They're
0: beautiful. They're so So that's
1: one of the reasons why we chose them today, just because they are not everybody's favorite, but they're definitely up up there. there. They're
0: up there and there's a lot of cool stuff about them. So you know, people don't want to hear things that they already know about. They want to learn. So that's what that's what we're doing. Plus, what's really cool about this is I'm excited Very to announce. Very exciting. I'm yes. going
1: gonna, gonna to do, do a little hand clap.
0: Yes. Yay. This Thursday, we have our first interview with a scientist that we'll be releasing. And that's with Dr. Erin Curry. She's a reproductive scientist that works specifically with polar bears. She's based out of the Cincinnati Zoo. She's a longtime friend. I've known her since she was in grad school. It's just crazy how both our lives have, have gone, and, you know, she's the perfect interview.
1: And she has a dream job. She
0: does. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, like I was just telling you before we started recording that on Facebook, she has pictures of her driving around Manitoba in an ice truck you know looking for polar bears. I just oh my god, how fun.
1: Yeah, Dr. Curry, if you're hiring, uh send me an email. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. I am pushing you and Danielle. So, I'm like, "Hey, I got two great grad students, but actually your job's going to be podcasting, so I'm sorry." Uh, you keep saying you're looking for a job. I've got you a job. We just need no, to No, make...
1: on the side. I need I to be in the lab somewhere somehow.
0: All right, and then before we get rolling, I'd like to give a shout out or thank you to our Patreon supporters. You know, a few people have already decided that we're worthwhile to support. So thank you.
1: And some awesome feedback we've yes. had.
0: Yes, we've had some great feedback from some listeners. And then just a couple reviews that were posted that that really made my day on iTunes. And you can go to iTunes and please leave us uh, reviews on there. But Stephanie07 said, amazing and inspiring podcast about all things wildlife. That made me smile. That made yeah. my day. That makes this, this work worth it. And then Alana Turner said, love these guys. They're an exceptionally reliable, reputable, and fun source of information. So
1: Good. Hopefully yeah. not. And we're not making our listeners fall asleep. That's yes, key. Especially, yes. especially if you're driving, right? Yeah, I
0: know. <laughs> when I get to mitochondrial DNA. <laughs> All right. Polar bears. No mitochondrial DNA. Maybe a little bit. Not, not not much. Not much. Polar bears. So this was really cool. So known by many names around Earth. Uh, in Russian, they're called medved, which is the white bear. And the Inuits call them Nanuk. Now, I've heard that before. I think from some movies and mm-hmm. stuff, the polar bears, they they kind of named them that. And then Germans call them ice bars, which is ice bear. Right. I which love is it. an awesome name. That's an awesome name. That for should these be guys. their name, I think. Yeah, yeah. ice bears, because mm-hmm. they, they love the ice. They actually do really love the ice. Some cool facts about polar bears. First of all, they're the largest land carnivore. So, by far, the, the closest one is the Kodiak brown bear, Alaskan brown bear. And basically, the the brown bears get that big because of their diets. And they eat a lot of migrating salmon, huge protein, nutrition. So that's what allows them to grow as big as they are. Polar bears are just a little bit bigger, not much, you know, but a little bit bigger than the Kodiak bear.
1: And an interesting fact is that they can actually breed with. Yes. With. Uh-huh, the grizzly.
0: Yeah, and we'll, and, but it's very rare. Yeah, it is. It is rare, and but, and their
1: offspring are going to be hybrids that cannot reproduce.
0: Right, right. And I'll get I'll get there because I got the chromosomes. Oh wait, I was. Waiting. I, I th- should have oh, known. No, I should have. Of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah. God, I'm the nerd. I definitely don't know anything about the chromosomes. Yeah, no, so I got I a didn't... little bit. That'll show you a little bit difference. But yeah, I, I didn't know the hybrids actually were infertile, which mm-hmm. is interesting because their chromosomes are the same. Polar bears are pure white. They look pure white. We'll get to the hair, why they're not quite white. Mm -hmm. But they look white. They have the black nose, the, the tongue, the pad, and the eyes. The pads are black. And the eyes are black. So I think most people know what a polar bear looks like. Coca Cola, this like you know, especially this time of year, is always having the polar bears. Yeah, in pop culture, they're everywhere. Again, Coke needs to pay us to to promote their product.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I actually have Coke on my on my way. Well, there you go. go. See,
0: Coke. We actually use your (laughs) product. Give us some money. No. Um. So this was cool too. Males bears are called boars. Interesting. And females are called sows. So like our pigs. But the
1: babies aren't called pigs. The babies are called cubs.
0: Yeah. So. Go figure. Yeah. Go figure. Who, See, who learning already. Thought? Yeah. See, <laughs> something new. Now, the males can stand almost 10 feet tall or three meters, which is huge.
1: Correct. Very yeah. tall.
0: Uh, the, you know, and the females like, are about half the size, right? Mm-hmm. Roughly. So everything I'm giving you is like the largest ever seen or recorded. Not all of them are that big, but alpha males that that do really well can get this big. Also can weigh up to 1,500 pounds or 700 kilograms.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Holy smokes. It's
1: a big bear. A big bear. Yeah. And I've had the pleasure of um, being able to be behind the scenes to polar bears that were under human care. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, lots of protected contact right. barriers between us. But they are very impressive.
0: Yeah, I would be.
1: Very impressive.
0: I know I said in the leopard episode, Leroy, his head, like, just huge lion. Like, And I was pretty close to him. I didn't feel, because I I know he was hand raised and he was a rescue. Like they rescued him from a sideshow in Texas. I'll tell you what, the one animal that I was across, you know, protected contact with that scared me was the grizzly bear. This grizzly bear was just stare at you. I'm two, three feet away from her. And she's just drooling, looking at me.
1: Well, and I think you you she bring up a, well, well, you bring up a good point. In um, preparing for this podcast, I was chatting with my husband, mm-hmm. who had the privilege of actually working intimately with polar bears right. Right. Uh, in his professional career. And I just said, "Well, John, can you tell me some things? Like, what's you your need, take on right. yeah, what's your take on polar bears?" And the first word that came to his mind was "smart." Yeah, and I'll and I'll get to more of that in the behavior. But then he also said too, he's like they. They're very inquisitive and they're always looking. They're like looking mm-hmm. at you. And he didn't say he felt because obviously nervous. In, yeah. Yeah, He's and, un- yeah, under human care. They're fed very well, so yeah. they're not they're not hungry Starry, or anything yeah. like that. But he just said, that if anything, yeah, they were just always watching. And but you know, they would check the locks and the doors. Yeah. And they're always they're they love their enrichment. Bec- uh, when just word of the day, right. enrichment in a zoo setting means um, something that we give animals under human care to enrich their lives, but then, but also to promote natural behaviors and to
0: stimulate, to stimulate them. Yeah. yeah. Stimulate
1: so if there's, them, yeah. um, for the polar bears, we would like them to swim cause they swim a lot in the wild. So we would toss a ball in the pool mm-hmm. or a frozen a fish popsicle right, or something in the pool time, yeah. to make them swim. But yeah, he also said they were a little bit of a challenge to enrich because they're so powerful. They would destroy everything. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So quick. And also so, so intelligent too. Mm-hmm. So it's gotta be something, you know, to continually stimulate them. But yeah, so they they yeah they definitely gonna keep their eye on you. Yeah, um, so and they, they, and that they, was
0: the only animal at the zoo that I was like, and I was ooh.
1: yeah, I was always. I mean, their heads are decent size, their skulls are big, and they have obviously big canines right. to help when they're hunting those seals in the ice. But I was always, I I was most impressed by their feet and fo- oh, yeah, and I their foot pads. Yeah, they're huge. That's that's what kind of blew me and yeah, yeah. out of the water.
0: Yeah. So. Anyways, getting back to the sizes, the females can stand up to seven feet tall, so still pretty big. Oh yeah, yeah. Now, polar bears obviously live in the north, and there's actually nineteen. I didn't really know this either. There's nineteen distinct populations, and their populations between twenty and twenty five thousand, maybe upwards of twenty six. It's hard to to get a good
1: count. I I, I mean, they're 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 those are twenty to twenty six thousand is the best estimates we have. Um, Yeah, I
0: mean, you think about how. First of all, how large that landmass is that they are on. Sure, and you're not able to just oh, let's go do a census and right. the, on the, the sea ice.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The researchers that do study them, I, I give my hats off yeah. to them. Hand claps because they that's some really harsh work. Yeah. Yeah, that they do, yeah. and and they're not made like polar bears. So yeah. well, in the get last <laughs> the last
0: pod we talked about reindeers, and then that that audio of how windy it was, remember how cold it was. Oh, so it's like that. It's that every day. That's probably a nice brisk spring day up there. Mm,
1: Let alone that it's dark a lot of the time. And so, yeah, definitely harsh conditions. Yeah, Definitely
0: harsh. They live, you know, in, especially like the reindeer. We Mm talked a lot about the reindeer.
1: Well, and everybody's familiar that they live in the Arctic circle, but where specifically?
0: Right. So, yeah. So if you look at specific countries, these 19 populations, North America, Canada, and the U S the U S it's, it's Alaska. And then Greenland, you know, which we always kind of forget about Greenland. It's way up there, and there, there's a lot going on up there. Some really cool musk ox. There's another one that we need <gasps> yes. to do. Yeah,
1: musk ox are very cool. I hope we cover them soon.
0: Right, and I yeah, I, I reviewed a paper on musk ox and diet, and so it was a uh, looking at they they shaved the hair and then looked at the diets. It, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it when we get there. They was,
1: they do some really cool parenting protective behavior oh, too yeah, in their in yeah, their herds. Yeah,
0: they're they're a really cool one. Yeah, so the Greenland and then Norway. So in in Europe or in Mm -hmm. Norway and then Russia. Okay. So those are the main countries that they're in.
1: And then unique thing about those different countries is they all have different ice populations, too. Right.
0: Now, before I get into the – my favorite part, evolution (laughs) and all the different relatives, Angie, besides climate change, what are some of the things that that really make us care about polar bears?
1: Sure. I think everybody loves polar bears in general just because they are this icon. But – from a more kind of biodiversity point of view, polar bears are umbrella species, which mm-hmm. we've touched on, I think, mm-hmm. in a previous podcasts. But an umbrella species just means that many organisms are connected to polar bears mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the food web. For instance, they feed on seals, which mm-hmm. you'll be talking about. And if there are no polar bears, the population of seals will. Explode. Skyrocket. Yeah, you're
0: gonna be crazy about it. Mm-hmm.
1: Which eat mean, here. and we don't know the downfall of that. That means that maybe the fish that the seals uh-huh. eat will decrease, and then also the cute little Arctic fox, which right. we're all familiar yeah. with that that beautiful white creature that they feed off the remains of the seals mm-hmm. from the polar bears. Mm-hmm. So if there's no polar bears to Killing catch them, yeah. the seals, so there's just a trickle down and up effect that we may not know um, much
0: about. Yeah, it's like whole dominoes. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's like, yeah, you. you Again, this goes back to the theme of the show. You know, you start taking these major pieces out. Right. They start falling apart. And and it's going to turn around and bite us in the rear.
1: The polar bear is a major piece. Yeah. It's a a big carnivore predator. And so so that's one reason. The other reason, Chris, you've touched on a little bit and we're going to talk about is the polar bear in general has just become this, what I like to call an ambassador species. Mm -hmm. They serve as sort of this icon or ambassador for what's happening in the Arctic right Right, now. Species like the polar bear serve as a gauge to measure the effects of climate change. Mm -hmm. So that's obviously a unique thing about polar bears. But the last thing I want to touch on is this concept of ecotourism. Mm -hmm. But we always talk about ecotourism in general. Today I want to focus on what we call a cool term I read in in an opinion piece called ecovoyeurism. Mm. And what that means is just humans like to look at animals. We, we do. like we wildlife. Do. Yeah. We like nature parks. Yeah. All of that. And one opinion piece I came across was written by a Georgetown University law professor mm-hmm. uh, named Lisa Heinzler Zingler. Sorry, Lisa. If I-
0: <laughs> you my words.
1: <laughs> it's Friday here. Yeah. I am not doing well. Uh, but. She addressed about the economic analysis of natural resources Mm. and law policy and used a polar bear as a model. Mm. She brought up some really cool facts that live bear viewing, this includes brown bears as well as white bears or polar bears, was estimated at $485 million to the economy. And this is in 1995. Wow. So that was like
0: 20
1: 20 years ago. So it's a lot higher now. And even me dreaming about someday going to see polar bears. An Arctic safari tour Mm -hmm. can cost you up to twenty grand. Wow! (laughs) (laughs) So we need to go with your buddy from Cincinnati. Like we we ain't going anytime soon. We're going to come uh, carry your equipment Mm -hmm. for you. And so I just think that for those of you that maybe you know aren't maybe as so much into animals and passionate, just looking at them the way we are. For those that care a little bit more about economics and money. It's really important for a lot of these species that we save them, not only for just to, to look at them, but for the economy. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the different um, regions where the polar bear is is still living, and when the tourists and the research mm-hmm. scientists go up there, they drop a lot of money on that right. local economy. Right. And so, Chris, if you'll bear with me, or listeners, this is just a little excerpt from Lisa's article mm-hmm. about about how much people really do yeah. like yeah. to be around and or look at animals. Mm-hmm. So according to studies, the average household would be willing to pay $216 to protect bald eagles, $173 to protect humpback whales, and $67 for gray wolves. Mm -hmm. And so if we added all this up across the U.S. population, this means $23 billion for bald eagles, $18 billion for humpbacks, and $7 billion for wolves. And so to put these numbers in perspective, she reports that the U.S. Department of Interior who is supposed to protect threatened and endangered mm-hmm. species, and they also manage our public lands. They had a budget of less than eleven billion in yeah. two thousand six.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it just goes to show, from an economic point of view, how much money people would are willing are to, willing spend. to yeah. spend. Now, are they? Or you know, there's there's a lot of debate out there. Of course, this is just one opinion piece based on a lot of published studies. Right. But I think it goes to show that the polar bear being such an iconic species, it potentially could be, have really bad economic effects if they
0: went extinct, if or, they went extinct. Yeah, or that tourism goes away. And mm-hmm. So looking at the bear family, Angie, getting back to general evolution, my favorite part, the Ursidae's.
1: Ursidae's Very good. Is
0: the bears. Mm-hmm. Polar bears at the top. And then you have brown bears that are in Asia and North America. So they have brown bears Yeah, that Bering Sea Strait a long time ago. So they went back and forth. You have black bears in Asia and North America, again, going across that land bridge. The sun bears in Asia. The sloth bear in Asia. The speck bear in South America. I believe
1: that's the only one that lives south of the equator.
0: Right. It is. It is. So it's really, really unique. And, And we'll get there where they split off. And then, you know, their kind of favorite bear and the giant panda. Now, there is a lot of controversy about the giant panda. That it's not a real bear. Blah, blah, blah. It's a bear. It looks like a be- If it looks like a bear, it walks like a bear. It smells and sounds like a bear. They're really cuddly, though. Uh, it's maybe not. I don't know. I think it's a bear. That's my opinion. I don't.
1: Well, <laughs> yes, it. Well, I'll be interested to see on the family tree where it falls because they
0: split so long ago. So they're. they're I mean,
1: they are bears, but they're not they're bears, not, Chris. They're goofy. They, they are goofy. They um. <laughs> they're, their physiology is goofy. I shouldn't say they're goofy. Maybe they're goofy. I don't, I've never worked. Bear with them. They're gonna be
0: watch videos of them. Right? I've
1: never worked with them personally. Yeah. I have friends that have worked with them, but they. Their physiology is goofy. Panda bears are herbivores. With a carnivore digestive tract,
0: right, they're,
1: and they only come into season like once a year. Yeah, they're for they're, one day.
0: They're crazy. They're goofy. They're way goofy, but they're, they're also goofy. like they're. Who doesn't love a panda bear? Like everybody loves panda bears, but they're they're definitely there is controversy and, and yeah, people. We'll do
1: today. an episode of panda bears yeah, for yes, sure some,
0: in the next year. Well, at some point we'll do panda bears. Polar bears are very closely related to brown bears, mm-hmm. and that's really where all of this started. And like you said, the hybrids. So now they're seeing hybrids because, especially with polar bears, and we get to nutrition and stuff. As far as they're spending more time on land than out on the ice, so they're coming across grizzlies and brown bears. And hey, when the music's playing, the season's right, they're mating.
1: Right, but it is still really rare.
0: Right, it is rare. It is it rare, is but rare. It, but it is happening now, and that's because most bears have seventy-four chromosomes.
1: Okay, across all the family trees.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Let me go back. How many does a human have?
1: Well. I can do that really quick. Yeah. 23 plus 23 is yeah. 46. No,
0: 23 and me. Yeah, okay. yeah 23 and me. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to approach them. Do you want to support our podcast? Because we're, we <laughs> talk a lot I'm... of genetics. And so
1: then yeah. horses is just flipped. Horses yeah. is
0: 64. 30, 32, right. 32%. Yeah. There you go. There you go. People are, See, you're learning.
1: I am. See, something I, new today. Not only am I learning, I'm actually memorizing, yeah. which
0: yeah, is fun. Which is You have tons of chromosomes for them. The speck bear again. You're right. They're different. So they're they have 52, and then the panda bear has 42.
1: I told you they were yeah, goofy. They are goofy goofy. physiology.
0: goofy. They are goofy. So actually, you know, look at some of this evolution, and, and again, I was like, no, I'm getting back to the Cliff Notes version. I'm I'm really holding holding myself back. Bears are are really a young family compared mm. to a lot of different mammals. They've only emerged about 20 million years ago, maybe 25. But Eurasia, North America is really where they they came from. The earliest ancestor is like this bear dog type looking animal. And it was about the size of a raccoon. So okay, it was tiny. Smaller. Yeah, mm-hmm. was tiny, tiny. And it was called cephalogale.
1: Yes, Excellent. You get I an A plus it, on it, that, I Dr. It, Mortensen. It, it, Good I job. It, I, did I did
0: it. Now you're right. Pandas split about 20 million years ago. So they're totally different. Totally their own little lineage went off. But they're still considered a bear. The other modern species of bears, the the blacks, the browns, all of the other ones actually... Split about five million years ago, okay. so they all kind of differentiated. Now, getting back to polar bears, polar bears didn't split off and start really evolving on their own till about four hundred thousand years ago.
1: Oh, that's not too from long brown ago. bears. Yeah,
0: yeah. In a, in a geological time frame or in an evolutionary time frame, that's really right. short. <laughs> I yeah. say it's not
1: that long ago from that point of view.
0: Yes, for us, obviously. Yeah. For me, day
1: to day, in and out in grad school as a mom, that's. Every day seems long.
0: Yeah. I mean, and humans, I think we were, I mean, still Neanderthals back then. I don't even think Homo sapiens emerged then. So yeah, but 400,000 years ago is, is not really that long ago compared to Mm -hmm. uh, some of the other species. Now a couple yeah, I love doing this too. Looking at some ancient relatives and one was the cave bear. And so cave bears lived in Europe and there's some debate when they went extinct about 20, 24,000 years ago and what caused them. Some pressures, but one of the papers I read was talking about how humans, when we started settling Europe, we lived in caves, and those were cave bears lived. So we pushed the bears out, and so the bears eventually went extinct, but they were pretty big.
1: I was going to say, I bet a few of those cave bears pushed some humans yeah, out.
0: I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. God, can you imagine them back then? Oh, on the saber tooth. No thanks. Now, when I looked at the biggest bear ever, this one's about the size of an elephant, or as tall as an elephant. What? Yes. And this was the Augustine's bear. Wow. And it died out only about eleven thousand years ago in South America.
1: Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Of all places. Yeah. yeah. Sound but it was the, the largest like, carnivore ever to live. Double the size of a man. Yeah. Weighed up to almost two tons or thirty five hundred pounds, fifteen hundred kilograms, stood ten to twelve feet tall, three mm-hmm. to three to three and a half meters tall. And just like could probably take down an elephant. Maybe Aww. not a bull elephant, but yeah, like huge. And so, some of the studies reading about them was because of their large size, they had really difficulty surviving, finding that much food. Yeah, know, like jaguars were out competing them. Other you know, smaller, quicker, faster. quicker, faster. Yeah, that big size really did did a disservice to them. So, anyways, but yeah, can you in about eleven thousand years ago. I think it's when humans started colonizing South America, or not colonizing. I shouldn't say. But, you know, it was the, the earliest South American Indians mm-hmm. were, were coming down. Um, yeah. So maybe they, they had something to do with it, too. You know, well, some of the, other ones.
1: the polar bear has had a long history with humans, mm-hmm. uh, bears in general. But, mm-hmm. of course, they are focusing on the polar bears. And ex- especially they've provided a lot of important raw materials for the Arctic people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, including the Inuit and many others, as you mentioned earlier. And besides their historical use um, with the native mm-hmm. Arctic peoples, I mean, more recently, like we've touched on, they're a popular icon. Right. They're symbols. They're mascots. In fact, uh, polar bears on the Canadian two-dollar coin. Mm-hmm. And they are in fiction books. Mm-hmm. They are in Coca-Cola. Yeah. In fact, they're such an adored species that they're uh, this February 27th of each year is international polar bear day. Right. Right. And this helps raise awareness about their conservation. Mm -hmm. So there is a great long traditional history of a love for the polar bear.
0: Right. Right. I think, yeah. Like if you look at Panda has become iconic, but also I think polar bears are the other one that people are just like, Oh, they love them. They just love them. And it's
1: wonderful because then I think it opens up. People, if you love the polar bear, then you might want to learn more about the Arctic fox or right. then you want to learn more about the spectacle bear in Asia. Right. And so they're really, I think they're helpful. Ambassadors. Mm, they're yeah. really ambassadors.
0: Yeah, to, uh, to the species. Now, living in the wild is, it's again, tough. And they just hard lives living out on the ice. They live to be 15 to 18 you know years which is about right for a predator
1: under human care they've lived up to 43 years at wow. a zoo yeah. in Winnipeg
0: yeah yeah so they, they yeah they they live which goes 30s, to show that if 40s. they're
1: if they're 15 to 20 in the wild their lifespan they have a hard life oh it's
0: very hard it's very hard they and and they spend half their lives or half the year out on the ice.
1: Yes, sleeping, so that, feeding, breeding, all of it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, reading some of these papers, they even they they almost consider them an aquatic mammal.
1: They're a marine mammal. they yeah. they in the U.S. They're under the U.S. Marine Mammal Protection Act.
0: Yeah, right, because they spend so much time mm-hmm. on the ice or in the water. And they swim a lot. Right, they do swim swim a lot. Now you were, you were mentioning the when it's dark. So three months out of the year, yeah, it's cold, dark winters. And then the summers, there's almost no night, no darkness Mm -hmm. for three months. It's almost always light. And the reason the polar regions... So some of the the science behind why it's so cold up there is the way the earth tilts and stuff. And then the atmosphere is just so much thicker. Mm -hmm. So the light can't penetrate as far. The energy from the sun, sun provides us energy, warms the earth. So through that thick, thick atmosphere, as it comes through, less of it gets to the ground. And then the white... You know, ocean like bounces it right back up. Yeah, it can't so, really
1: penetrate. It just yeah,
0: so it gets whoop, colder. Bounces right back. Now, climate change, just a little bit about climate change, is having such a dramatic effect on the polar regions. So there's this thing called the albedo effect. And basically, that idea of bouncing the light up back, right? Well, as that melts, you have this dark ocean, which absorbs heat. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing a more dramatic increase there than say the jungles of Brazil, you know, at the equatorial plane. So as, so it's just as that ocean absorbs more heat, more light, stuff like that, it warms up quicker. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing that effect. Also, the reason this, the polar regions are such, you know, a lot of scientists are really worried about it is the methane. And I know I talked, we've talked a little bit, you know, with the mammoth and things and the, the tundra, mm-hmm. we're finding, you know, mammoth carcasses in the tundra, but the big thing is the methane that's trapped in there. So as the tundra melts, that ice melts, the it's releasing. releasing more methane, which is going up into the atmosphere. So that's why the Earth's getting warmer. Which is
1: a normal process, except for when it's sped up.
0: Yeah. And it's dramatic. And it's dramatic. a huge dump of methane. Mm-hmm. It's not little bits here and there. It's a massive dump of methane. So one of the cool things about polar bears, you know, it's still cold up Chris, there. Chris, there's
1: a lot of cold. I, I know, I know, I know. One <laughs> of the, things, the one, many cool things yeah, about polar bears. One of the things bears. I
0: read about the Arctic, and I really thought about it for a while, but it made me pause, was just how quiet it is up there. Sure, there's no noise pollution. Yeah, no insects, very few amphibians, very few birds. It's just... No inter- ambulances. No. Inter- no really no
1: toddlers running around screaming, mama, mama, mama. So can you
0: imagine just... No, Chris. I can't, the, yeah, I can't I know, imagine. I, I can't imagine quiet. Yeah. So that was kind of a cool fact. Yeah, I no, no. I, awesome. when I,
1: I read the same thing. I put myself there for like yeah. the 30 seconds before I heard mama, mama, mama. Yeah. And no, it, yeah, it's, it, it would be very, I, I don't know if I've ever been anywhere yeah. like that. Yeah, it would be
0: really It'd cool. Be be- It'd beautiful, be beautiful, mysterious for sure. Yeah, it would be. And then the polar bear sneaks up behind you because they are very sneaky. So a lot of crazy adaptations to survive the, the, the cold. One's major one's diet, which we're going to get to. And that just helps them with their body mass. Actually, you know, where we talked about the, the bear in South America, that was super huge and the size didn't help them. The inverse is true with the polar bear. Their size actually does help them. helps them thermoregulate better. So they want to be bulkier up in, up in that area of the world. They have smaller ears and tails.
1: Yeah, Chris, just to interject really quick, yeah. their smaller ears and tail follow the physiological rule called the Allen's rule. Mm, cool. And what that does is just predicts animals that live farther north have smaller appendages mm-hmm. in order to conserve heat. Right. Yeah. And So the polar bear is a prime example of that as they're, as they've evolved in that region, their ears have shrunk down to be very small and their tail.
0: Right. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't, you wouldn't even think about stuff like that, mm-hmm. but you now physiologically it makes now, sense. Now when
1: that question comes up in jeopardy.
0: Yeah, there you go. Okay.
1: Allen's rule, everyone. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> So thick layers of fat up to four inches or 10 centimeters just in the rump.
1: I love everything about that.
0: Yeah. They're just, they're fat portly, uh, polar bears. And so, yeah, their body can be almost 50% pure fat. That's incredible. <laughs> Just this portly polar bear.
1: Like our my doctor would not approve of that.
0: Yeah, I said the portly porpoise. No, yeah. it's the portly polar bear. This I love thing, it.
1: They need is, the fat
0: though. They do. Mm-hmm. They do. It's very critical to their survival energy and then buoyancy while they swim. Of
1: course. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So it's almost like But they, one
1: little you know, downfall is they can overheat in the summer.
0: Yeah. 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 So Too that, that much is something is and not that's a good mm-hmm. thing.
1: Yeah. and and they will they're known for their, their kind of ambling Gates, walk, yeah. their gait, yeah, And but they can run fast up to, I think about, mm, I've been, they've been clocked up to 22 miles per hour, yeah. but it's really rare that they do that because even in the coldest, cold weather, running that fast, they'll overheat. Right, right. So they like to just kind of amble and right. and do their nice little
0: walk. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then, you know, so we are talk about the hair real quick. So two layers. Mm-hmm. So the outer layer is this greasy hair. It helps repel water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they like water that... repellent guard hairs. Right. And then they have the inner layer that's woolly for warmth. Now you were saying they're not quite white?
1: Sure, Chris. Surprisingly, uh, the fur isn't actually white. Yeah. It just looks that way. Each hair shaft is pigment free mm-hmm. and transparent. With a hollow core which scatters light. It's crazy. Well, yeah. I should say it scatters and reflects light. visible light, much like what happens in the ice and the snow. And so, depending on what their backdrop is, they can not be as white. They might be more of a light orange color ish. Yeah, 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 like yeah. when the sun's setting or whatnot.
0: So, you're telling me polar bears aren't truly white?
1: Polar bears are not
0: truly white, but okay. their
1: hair is, I would say, almost like quite luxuriant.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. cool. Now, they have these huge... Huge paws.
1: That's what I'm in love with. Yeah. Like, I love baby feet. I like feet in general. Yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm probably exposing too much of myself on this <laughs> yeah, podcast. Right. Yeah. Um, we can add that's another weird thing yeah. about uh, Angie. But no, no, especially baby feet. Right. Come on. But yeah, the polar bear feet are impressive. Huge. And that's the first thing I noticed when I was able to be in close proximity to them. Oh, yeah. And, they, like... and they have a lot of purposes. They're not just to be cute or right, whatever.
0: Right. They can serve as a paddle. They do. Yeah. While they swim and then the. The pads have like all these small papillae, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool, and that yeah, helps so them cool. grip on the ice, which makes sense, right? right. Like, like they, they, I
1: mean, humans wear those right. shoes with spikes in it to right. grip, and they just oh,
0: yeah, I mean, cleats and stuff. Mm-hmm. They basically
1: evolved teeny tiny cleat
0: feet, yeah, on their their feet, and that just helps them grip, and then. Also, it just acts like they're so big; and they're like snowshoes.
1: Yes, well, and they distribute the weight yeah. on the ice, mm-hmm. and so that's very important, right, when we are starting to walk on
0: right. areas
1: of thinner ice and whatnot.
0: Yeah, they are again crazy adaptations to their environment. They have way better night vision than we do. Mm-hmm. They have really good vision, you know, binocular vision like we do, but their night vision's superior, and that makes sense, right? You know, dark dark times of the year. Now, this was cool, too. And I never really thought about it. You know, again, polar bears and bears. These guys don't hibernate. No. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Nope, they do not. During
0: the winter, when all the other bears are sleeping, Mm -hmm. storing energy, Mm -hmm. these guys are out on the ice. They're hunting, man. It's their go time. Yeah, this is their, their most active time of year is during the winter. And this is when they're like that aquatic marine mammal. Now, during the winter months, like we said, they're out there hunting all the time. They can travel up to 4,000 miles a year, or 6,500 kilometers in the winter.
1: Right. Scientists uh, have been learning a lot more about them in the past, I would say, 20 to 40 years with new technologies such as radio collaring them right. or, and whatnot. Their goal is to start using drones, too, because some of these areas that the polar bears are traveling in are just inhospitable right. to researchers. right. But yeah, they they have been documented up to four thousand miles. So Angie,
0: that's like walking from here to California and back in the winter. So get going, (laughs) yeah, get going. Like holy smokes, yeah, I would make it like one
1: day and just get. Yeah, no, they, you know, they're they're they have a lot of
0: adaptations. Yeah, and you said they're pretty fast, so they travel about like you said with that ambling gait about three and a half miles per hour. Right, in general,
1: you as a human can beat them.
0: Yeah, but uh, if you. (laughs) <laughs> That's like my nightmare is being trapped on the ice with a polar bear because you know, there's nowhere to hide.
1: Well, the joke my husband always says is he's like, you, you don't have to be uh, faster. You just – you have to be faster than the slowest guy behind you. Exactly. <laughs> So i like, Angie. thanks, honey, because that'd probably be me. I know. I think I'm actually faster now, but yeah, I I couldn't leave him behind because I need him. He <laughs> but, so, so, yeah. I, yeah. I would just I would just go down with them. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They. Uh, oh yeah. I, have to, I can't wait to talk to Aaron about about some of this stuff. Now during the year, during the summer. So this was this was what I thought was really cool too. Learning about them, they actually. They sleep about for a third, thirty-five up to thirty-five percent of the summer. They're just sleeping, so it's not—they're not hibernating, but they're just fasting and at rest, mm-hmm. conserving energy. They are not—they're not out hunting much. They are just chilling and waiting for the winter to come back, mm-hmm. and so they're living off their fat reserves.
1: Yeah, and there was some statistic I learned that you may be able to compliment me on. But they can fast for a very long time. Yes, yeah, like months.
0: Time. Yeah, and and they they don't. Yeah, they with don't no eat. food or water. Mm. Now, one of my favorite things about polar bear, one of the most favorite, uh, I think it was Planet Earth or, or one of those documentaries the BBC put out, is that one where that polar bear like works out and sneaks up on the seal. Now the seal gets away in the video, mm-hmm. but the video of the bear like sneaking around and like poking its head up on the ice and then kind of slithers on the ice and the last minute the seal catches wind of it and dumps jumps into the water but these guys are intelligent right
1: oh yeah i mean that once once again that was the first word my husband said mm-hmm. when i asked him to you know just quickly give me some mm-hmm. clip notes on polar bears and very observant and researchers now that they are beginning to study them a mm-hmm. little bit more that we have technology to do that they're learning how how intelligent they are there's multiple accounts of bears figuring out how to get food from many different areas mm-hmm. and climbing and digging and searching for these food objects. And they're really resourceful right. at gaining entry into probably places they shouldn't be. All right, 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 right. <laughs> and, and we also believe that if there, as more studies come in of them in the wild, we're going to keep learning just how intelligent they right, are.
0: Right. Yeah, pretty complex tasks. Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: and and then, let alone like traveling four, thousand miles right. and like knowing where to go and being having the ability to, to navigate and to do that. On the ice, yeah, right? on, on the ice. yeah,
0: I mean, they must navigate by stars or something. I don't know it, it's it's cool.
1: and with their intelligence, of course, comes their social behavior and mm-hmm. communication. Now, typically, polar bears are spend most of their lives alone, so they're right. not solitary, social right. Right. Solitary. They're, right they're more solitary. Uh, unless it's a mother and a cub, and then, of course, during breeding season. But even as, quote-unquote, solitary animals, they have a lot of different ways to communicate Mm -hmm. with each other when they come across each other or as a mother and cub would. And they use a lot of different body languages. Mm -hmm. And one of the more notorious behaviors that's often shown um, in different videos or whatnot with researchers it's personally my favorite, is with young male cubs, we'll mm-hmm. do a sort of ritualized wrestling match. Right, right. And these are young subadults that are just basically like practicing. So nobody gets hurt. Right. It's like a mock combat. Right, right. Um, in fact, my 4-year-old and 15-month-old <laughs> pretty much do the same thing. Yeah. But this is so unique, too, because they'll stand up on their hind legs and kind of just push each other mm. to see how strong they are and mock-bite each other. But from a distance, it can almost look like they're dancing, right? Because they're just kind of going back and forth, and so that's one of the more n- notorious behaviors. But they do many different greetings, nose nose greetings. They'll charge, of course. The, um, they and when they're excited to see one another and they want to play, they kind of do this head wagging side to side, mm-hmm. and their vocal communications. And then of course they sent mark as a way to communicate with each other. And their vocalizations range from many different sounds to chuffing or scolding. That's what mm. I do to my boys yeah. a little yeah. bit. <laughs> with a yeah. growl or a little chuff sound. Um, the rushing, hish thing, snorting. Um, and, of course, they're known for their loud roars and growls right. or deep growls. And the cubs, of course, too communicate a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you'll bear with me, I'll play a little clip of um, a cub that is looking for its mom.
0: I just wouldn't think bears would make such a honking sound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm such mom old. It kind of actually sounds like my 15-month-old right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hungry. Yeah, (laughs) just where are you, mom, right now? Um, So, and then additionally, polar bears actually like to be clean. Mm -hmm. Uh, They spend a lot of time cleaning their matted, dirty fur. Uh, because when it's matted, it's a poor insulator. Right, right. And I love this fact. They sleep usually seven or eight hours a day with naps. Sounds like my dream life <laughs> yeah, right I now. Yeah, yeah. And of course, they're known for digging ice caves and then mm-hmm. sleeping in the snow. Right. and 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 when yeah, they- I
0: even read some of the things, like during big snowstorms, they'll they'll dig mm-hmm. and you know stay downwind or whatever, uh, build up. Oh ice yeah, for a couple of days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when they're sitting there, you know, in those ice caves, you know, waiting out the storms, then they get out and start hunting.
1: Right. Which is I think, a good segue mm-hmm. into nutrition, yeah. Yeah, they're, a lot of their behaviors are focused in on their nutrition right. lot, and how yeah. they how they hunt and how successful right. they are.
0: So this is a carnivorous bear. You know, most other bears are-, are Strictly. O- omnivores, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Strictly carnivorous. So they, they are carnivorous.
1: And Chris, that's one of the reasons why researchers kind of defend the argument that, oh, well, the polar bears can just move south and yeah, be fine if the ice melts. They can't.
0: No. That's, they have that's, not
1: adapted to being omnivores.
0: Right. And that's where you know we'll, we'll get to with the climate change effects because it is not good for them as far as their diet because they prefer – actually, their number one preference is called a ring seal. Mm-hmm. But they do eat walruses or whales that wash up. And, and really what they're looking for, I know, going back, who doesn't love fat or a donut – these guys, this is what they love. They love the the blubber, 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 just pure fat diets.
1: Well, and it makes sense that their body knows what they need. If they're going to have this long time fasting, mm-hmm. what, what do you live off of? You live off your blubber.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously they do eat the meat and the protein because we all need that. But they love the fat. And that's where these guys are so crazy because it's – so they have these lipid-rich diets and – so what researchers have been discovering with them is, is so in cholesterol, there's there's two co- types of cholesterol. There's LDLs, there's HDLs. The LDLs are the low density lipoproteins, and those are the bad cholesterol.
1: Right, Chris. When I was studying for one of my ex- nutrition exams years ago, I, this always threw me off. I was mm-hmm. like, low density should be good, like lower, like right. lower cholesterol. Where high density should be bad. I just had to say, nope, you're always wrong, Angie. Flip that. Right. So low-density lipoproteins are bad. Bad. They're the Mm -hmm. ones that clog arteries. Mm -hmm. That's the number you're trying to get down. Where high-density lipoproteins, HLDs, Mm -hmm. are good ones and actually help remove some of the fat. Right,
0: right, right. And so the LDLs you know, in our diets Mm -hmm. are not good for us. These polar bears, they live off this stuff. They love it. And so researchers are looking at their genes, going back to genetics, and saying, "How do they survive? Right. How does their cardiovascular system survive these these LDLs, which in most other species would would blow their hearts up?
1: Right. Maybe and polar bears are like, "Hey, this is great." And that's the thing. There's so much to learn about animals that we've just starting to now have the technology, especially molecular genetics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who knows what we can learn from right, them? Who knows right. what we can mimic from them? Just
0: another species that we're learning that has an application to us hmm now, to get to some of the, the climate change, why polar bears are under threat, and it has a lot to do with nutrition. Mm-hmm. Because again, they, they live off these ring seals during the winter, and they estimate of the roughly 20,000 plus polar bears in the world, they need about a million seals annually.
1: Oh, interesting. That's crazy. That's, a lot, yeah, of seals, that's yeah. a lot
0: of seals. And the instances where they are catching polar bears because the, the, the sea ice is melting earlier, that they actually are This omnivore diet, eating things like bird eggs and maybe some plants stuff, they they can't survive. Simple calculation: calories in, calories out. Mm -hmm. Anytime I teach nutrition, uh, an animal nutrition, is you have to exceed barely, not much, unless you're you know feeding cows or pigs or something. So let's just say for like horses or in a zoo setting, you know a lot of these animals in a zoo setting, you want to try to maintain their body weight. Mm-hmm. So you want to, you yeah, know, maybe a little bit more calories than they're used to, but not, en- not enough that they're going to put on tons of weight. So polar bears, depending on these omnivore diets, just can't survive. Right.
1: You can't go from eating all the, all donuts
0: to blueberries no. as no. much as I'm a blueberry yeah. promoter yeah. and
1: you should eat, I should eat more blueberries, Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's just not, that's not how they evolved.
0: Right. So it's just a simple calories in calories out. So as the poles are warming, The winter ice is breaking up earlier and earlier. They estimate by twenty twenty we'll be able to sail right over the the North Pole. First time in human history that's ever happened. And then for you know, and then I even saw further estimates within five years after that. For three months out of the year, the poles should be ice free or the, the North Pole should be ice free. Now that means polar bears are coming to land earlier in the year. They have to fast Longer, Mm -hmm. right? Than than what they've evolved to over the last four hundred thousand years. So now we're seeing polar bears starving. Just across my feed this morning, news feed talking about finding a a starving polar bear.
1: I I can't look at those pictures. They make me so sad. And
0: the moms can't survive with the cubs. No, I know. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so they can't you know lactate things like that. Now this and they're
1: swimming longer distances, which they're not. I mean, to. they're amazing swimmers, but without the fat reserves, swimming longer distances. I mean, I was a swimmer in yeah. high school, and I mean, the, some of the distances these polar bears swim in general are yeah,
0: 60 miles are or crazy. 100 kilometers.
1: And then we're just pushing them to swim more on more. less reserves. Yeah,
0: they have less energy and stuff. So then we, you know, like you and I always talk about the trickle down, trickle up effect. So here's a trickle down effect, and this paper was in an Ecology and Evolution titled Climate Change and the Increasing Impact of Polar Bears on Bird Populations. So as these bears come to land earlier, they're coming to land when a lot of these birds are nesting.
1: Oh. So
0: they're preying on the birds. They're killing the birds in the nests. They're eating the, the eggs or the baby birds.
1: Wow, I didn't, that's...
0: Yeah. Th- thank so you for get, bringing
1: that up. I hadn't even
0: Yeah, so the impact, about right, that. the mm-hmm. e- ecological impact. So three bird species, the barnacle goose, common eider, and the, Glacius gull are the ones that are really affected by this. And in some areas, 90% of the birds have been wiped out or mm. their nests are preyed upon. And again, the sad thing about this is it's not sustaining the polar bear, right?
1: Right. They, that's yeah. It's, it's
0: not normal for them. It's mm. not, they don't, even though they're eating these birds and kind of decimating these bird populations, it's not enough to sustain them. Right. So, mm. you know, that's not the good news or they, they the good stuff. We're not doing doom and gloom, but that, is some of the science on why when we say climate change and polar bears, it basically has to do with diet, Mm -hmm. that they are not getting enough food. Looking at the climate change effects, so now we can go and look at repro, like what's their generation interval?
1: Well, Chris, one of the issues with their life cycle is they have a little bit longer, they have a longer life cycle so that Mm -hmm. they're not able to produce cubs every year. Um, In fact, males mature at six years of age but they don't really stop growing until eight Mm. to ten and that's probably when they can actually become more competitive for uh female Mm
0: -hmm,
1: for breeding and the same thing for females mature when they're about six and then they
0: all live to be about 15 to 18
1: right right and then so um females when they are around five to six years old and start breeding they produce one to two rarely three cubs Mm. Every three years,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it's a it's a slow life cycle. Yeah.
0: So then she's only producing maybe, you know, three or four litters max, maybe. Correct.
1: Correct. Yeah. And historically, it's been about two cubs is the average, mm-hmm. uh, but with the nutritional status of the polar bears going down, researchers have seen an increase of only one cub right. being produced. Yeah. So, so that's going to be some hard with their generation intervals.
0: Yeah, and that's um, you know some of the reproductive dorks in us that. You know, nutrition does play such a big role. Oh, it's
1: huge. Oh yes, their bodies are really, really smart to understand their nutritional status and how that will influence their reproduction. And I'll get to that cool, cool physiological fact in a second. Mm-hmm. But just briefly, mating is going to take place out on the ice, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. romantic. Yeah, in the <laughs> <and> night, cold. <laughs> yeah, um, in April or May, and males are going to compete intensely for the females and may even breed a couple females. And so there's off. Not I don't know the statistics on it, but uh, a female can have cubs with different fathers. Yeah, right, right. Multiple males can breed one female, and mm-hmm. therefore sometimes cubs will have different fathers. Right. And getting back to the females, their total gestation period is eight months. It's pretty long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. mm-hmm. And so, but interestingly enough, one of the coolest right. – and I'm going to dork out for – just bear with me for one second <laughs> – one of the coolest reproductive adaptations these guys have is that they experience something called delayed implantation. Which
0: is really nuts.
1: Mm-hmm. Or it's also called embryonic diapause. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that they breed on the ice, mm-hmm. under, the, under the moon, yeah. and stars, and yeah. maybe aurora borealis.
0: Oh, God, yeah. That, no wonder why they're mating. <laughs> yeah, well, right? Yeah.
1: Um, and, so, and then the egg and sperm meat and fertilization occurs. That's normal. That happens mm-hmm. in all the mammals. But what happens with delayed implantation is the egg is fertilized, and but it doesn't attach or implant into the uterine wall or the uterus until August or September. Hmm. So this fertilized eggs divides into what we call a blastocyst, which just means mm-hmm. you know a small amount of cells,
0: right.
1: and then something, we don't know what, researchers don't know what, signals it to stop growing, and it just keeps floating around the uterus for about four months.
0: That's insane. That's Safely. Insane. Yeah. And, and
1: pause. And then once again, around August or September, I suppose the body understands what her nutritional status is, Mm -hmm. and then the embryo will either be reabsorbed if her nutritional status isn't good or conditions don't seem fair. August and September, if she's fat and healthy and had a lot of ring seals, that embryo will go ahead and implant in the uterine uterine wall and proceed as yeah, there's got to be
0: some signaling mechanism, mm-hmm. which would be really awesome to study. Yeah,
1: And so basically they think the embryo is really only, the growth period is actually only four months. Wow. Okay. Because when a f- cub is born, it's born in December, January, mm-hmm. and it's going to be about one pound.
0: That's yeah, so How many small. kilos? One, uh, 2.2. Very
1: good, very yeah. good. So small. And then they stay with the mom in the den for a while until they grow bigger and stronger mm-hmm. before they emerge from the den. And a cub is going to be with the mom for about two to two and a half years. Right. Growing up. It's a long time. And it's a long investment. But once again, as a specialized carnivore, these cubs need to learn how to hunt these right. seals. And it, yeah. ta- and it takes a while the, be- before they get yeah. kicked out of the nest.
0: So I, I have to break in. Okay. You could argue with me that a polar bear cub is probably the cutest baby on earth. <laughs> I, cheetahs, I go with cheetahs just because that hair is very unique. But I, there is nothing cuter. Than that white, which is not true white; it's reflective light off the hairs. Now that we know that, but my god, they are the cutest things. I was ever.
1: gonna say, I can challenge you. I know what is cuter than that. Two of them together playing. Okay, there you
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you're such a geek. You didn't <laughs> see that one. I did uh, No, I was gonna be like, oh, what are you gonna say like he was right. You know,
1: he had uh, his like fists up. He was right. Yeah, ready to, like, yeah. This. No, uh, they yeah. They're they're, like the cutest. Rolling around the snow, belly sliding.
0: They're, yeah, them and cheetahs. They're they're up there for cutest animals in the world. Yeah, they're just—they're just. Oh my God, they melt your heart. So, conservation status—the the, the population is in decline, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, it's vulnerable according to the IUCN, International Union for Conservation mm-hmm. of Nature. One, these population counts are difficult to know precisely, so these right. these, it, these are estimates, and they. Are actually unsure if the population is declining, just because it's either staying somewhat stable, but most likely declining. It's just hard. Which is
0: good news. I mean, people listening to this might think, "Oh my God, polar bear populations are cut in half." They're not.
1: No, they're not declining at some of the other ones as rapidly as a lot of the other ones. We have. Right, so there's
0: not. You know, it's not all doom and gloom for them. No, no, it's just not looking good. Like we're just seeing, looking into the future, and seeing some problems.
1: Yes, I mean, they depend on the Arctic ice for access to their prey. If that's – gone that's going to be a problem for these mm-hmm. guys
0: and i'll just say to the listeners too that the iucn red list we link it in our show notes mm-hmm. so if you want to read more about this you can go in there and just click on polar bears and mm-hmm. it, will, it will pull you up but once again the good news is that there's a lot a lot of people, people looking out for government
1: them. officials mm-hmm. um mom and pops just at home on the couch like right. you know and like me you know wanting to help these guys polar bears. Right. and then of course research scientists right in right. zoos
0: now one way the listeners can help And one way that, you know, we should all try to, to be more green is be more energy efficient. Mm -hmm.
1: So Mm -hmm. conservation
0: tip of the week is do your best. It's not easy. I, you know, and, and we're learning as a society, but at least way more than say 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. but leading a carbon neutral life. And, and I think a good place to start that everybody listening can do is make sure you have energy efficient light bulbs. Next time you buy a light bulb, I know they're a little bit more expensive but get energy efficient light bulbs. And that's just one step.
1: Well, they la- they might be more expensive, but they last a long, lot long, long time. Yeah. I have ones that have been for years. We haven't right. changed them out.
0: Yeah. And we all need, I think if, if the more people do that, the, the harder we work towards leading being carbon neutral and mm-hmm. the decisions we make, you know, better for the earth. And
1: right? for all the kids listening out there too, I think the other thing that they can do, or parents can encourage to do for kids. Super easy. Chris and I touched on it <laughs> yes. earlier in this podcast is get off those darn devices computers, and yeah. or computers or iPads or whatnot, right. video games, and go spend some time outside.
0: Yeah, go outside.
1: A, it's healthy. The exercise you get when you're outside and being around nature, you might become a nature lover right. like me. And then B, closing down those devices less is less energy. Less energy, right. right? They take power, so that's yeah. kind of just a, anybody can do that. Yeah. You don't need to go buy anything or do anything. Right. So that's that's a fun one.
0: Yeah, and at night I walk again. I walk around my house, turn off lights that the kids leave on or, mm. you know, my wife accidentally leaves on and I'm like, okay, you know, I got to, got to lead a carbon neutral life. And, you know, and then eventually we'll all be driving hybrid vehicles or, or, you know, flex fuel vehicles or fuel efficient vehicles is kind of the goal that, that we should all get there. But I think starting with light bulbs and shutting lights off at night.
1: Chris, tell me a little bit about your organization of the week to support. I know
0: I'm picking one this week I and said, that is yeah. because of Aaron mm-hmm. and you know, I've followed Aaron's career as a, as a really good friend. And she, you know, works at the Cincinnati Zoo now, and she has the Polar Bear Challenge. Mm -hmm. So people can go and look and go to the Cincinnati Zoo website. I know they have tons of followers on Twitter, Facebook.
1: Yeah, they have a large presence.
0: Yes. But Mm -hmm. if you go to the CincinnatiZoo.org website, look for the Polar Bear Challenge. I'll have the link in the show notes on our website, allcreaturespod.com. And they are trying to raise $70,000 by the end of the year. Okay, cool. So we're running out of time, but, you know, they do this every year, but it helps support the research that they're doing to go. And like I said, Erin, it was like three weeks ago, she was up in Manitoba, you know, going around studying these bears and she'll she'll tell us more about that.
1: Yeah. Cincinnati Zoo is definitely um, a leader in the Zoological Society as far as their conservation and research and the way they're able to learn about animals mm-hmm. and then helping to relate that back to the wild right. and or studying more about animals living in the wild right. and how to better care for animals living under human care. Yeah, and phenomenal they're, the Yeah, yeah so they're, they're just one one a lot of fun. The, and yeah, they're one of the best. And just to, uh, to plug uh, Cincinnati a little bit, if, if if any of the listeners out there have been living under a cave and haven't heard of Fiona the hippo. Oh, yeah, God. You need to follow her because in a lot of this doom and gloom political yeah. climate stuff, all the, society, all the nastiness, nega- of all 2017. the mm-hmm, all yeah. the negativeness of 2017. Fiona has been my hero. Yeah, in fact, she was a so she, uh, she was a premature hippo mm-hmm. that was born, and the Cincinnati Zoo obviously embraced this challenge. Mm-hmm. And the keeper staff and the animal care staff there went above and beyond to help this little hippo survive. Oh, videos and
0: videos are just.
1: But that the along animals. the way, they basically made like a video documentary and/or were sharing each step of the way, each pound she gained, all the successes, and it just warmed my heart every. And then another two days. cute
0: baby animal. Okay, Fiona's in the top five. Like she's up there. She she is so up there. Oh my god, baby hippos. I mean, hippos scare. Yeah, I can't wait to we do hippos, but they. Uh, wait
1: till you hear my hippo call.
0: Okay. that is my okay. best one. okay 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 that is my best we're gonna do HIPAA soon then mm-hmm. because there's the challenge
1: but yeah cincinnati zoo polar bear yeah. challenge check it out
0: yeah, check please. them out and then a- the other one the other organization that
1: yeah you and so my organization the organization i want to highlight this week i picked because polar bear research is so incredibly difficult mm-hmm. to do because of these harsh conditions and how inaccessible they are for us humans but one group that does a knock knock it out of the park job in my opinion is polar bear international Mm -hmm. they can be found at www.polarbearsinternational.org and of course they have a presence on facebook and twitter and Mm -hmm. whatnot and basically chris they are just about polar bears entirely Mm -hmm. they do everything from research on the polar bears, but also on climate change. Mm-hmm. They use bear trackers online to, to monitor the bears overseas. They have bear adoptions. They support solutions through education and mm-hmm. advocacy and action. But Polar Bear International, check them out. They are doing some really cool things. I, I was up late last night watching a video, mm-hmm. learning more about polar bears from the researchers up there that They're were doing it. And I got to see a polar bear skull and some polar yeah. bears on, um, on on the cameras there. So yeah, check them out. They're yep. doing really cool work.
0: Yeah. I'm going I'm definitely gonna go check out that website, you know? And I, and so again, reflecting on the past hour, I guarantee you learned something new. Mm-hmm. If not, please let me know.
1: Yeah. Tweet us your favorite fact you learned. Yeah.
0: Unless you, unless you are a polar bear researcher and you're like, oh, sure. I
1: not, can't. yeah. Not the guys from polar bears international. Yeah, they, no, no. They're probably going to correct me on yeah. something that I didn't say exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. right. But
0: <laughs> yeah. anyways, we're always right. No, um, no, thank you for listening. We're, Just, if you can subscribe to the podcast, Follow us on Twitter. Be sure to download Thursday's episode, which will be Dr. Erin Curry from the Cincinnati Zoo. Yay!
1: Thank you, Dr. Curry. Yes,
0: it'll be our very first interview with the researcher, and we have some more lined up, but she's going to be phenomenal.
1: Well, thank you so much for listening. Hope you had fun today. I know I did. Yeah,
0: thank you. Listen, learn, share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.